Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. When John and I were asked to share, um, well, I thought about how we as women struggle with control. Um, I know guys do too. It just looks a little different with guys and women. But I thought that was appropriate because we do um, have a hard time with that sometimes. Um, But it made sense that if we're going to talk about control, we have to talk about its counterpart, and that would be grace. So living a graceful is how God intends for us to walk through life together. As co-workers, as parents, as husbands and wives, even those we find ourselves doing life with. So let's look at our scripture today. <clears throat> That's Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let's pray. I pray um, for mothers today for joy. I pray for those that are not yet mothers, hope. For single moms, I pray for grace. I pray for grace for those who have lost children. Today, for some, it's sadder than it is happy. I pray for God's comfort. Isaiah 66, 13 says, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted. Father, I do pray for Joan and I today, too. Lord, I pray for your grace and your mercy to be poured out. Lord, I pray for uh, <clears throat> this body to, for their ears and their hearts to be open this morning. And Lord, I do thank you for your presence that abounds here in this place. And we just bless your name, Father. Amen. Well, I have a story, which is probably a good place to begin. <clears throat> my, uh, my youngest son and my daughter and her husband surprised me in first service, so it kind of threw me. I thought, oh, can I share this story? But it's cute, so it's okay. (laughs) We always throw our children under the bus like that, don't we, with stories. (laughs) It's just what we do, you know. But our daughter, Rachel, she was four-ish at the time, and she told me that she needed some artwork in her room. So I said, okay. We'll go look for something girly, something nice that you'll like. And, um, but just right after that, she was in her room one day, <clears throat> and I heard her calling to me, Mom, come look. Come look at what I've done. Mom, come now. It's so pretty. And I thought, okay, she's cleaned up her room. <laughs> How good is that? Yeah, she's cleaned up her room. I was totally blindsided. There. There was a mural on the wall. (laughs) Y'all, I'm talking from the entrance 
to her bed, that whole wall. But it looked good. I mean, it looked good. It looked better than a four-year-old. I was surprised. She had this huge tree. She had grass. She had birds. She had flowers. You know, all those things that girls look at at that age. And she had probably used her entire collection of Crayola crayon arsenal. I mean, there was every color imaginable. Um, But the question is, did I allow God's grace, which was available to me at that moment, or did I fuss and shame my daughter? You know what we say? Like, my word, Rachel. You had to do the whole wall. You know, or your dad's going to repaint the wall. Yeah, how are we ever going to get this off? You know to use paper. Those are all the things we say. And then at four, especially, that just breaks her heart. I mean, granted, it was a biggie. But still, you know, there was a way to do it. And I think I showed some grace that day with her. (laughs) Because I said, Rachel, good job. It is really pretty. But then we both tried to wash the wall. So... Hopefully, Tim was not going to be too upset. But for us to be continually empowered um, by God's grace, we need to learn the simple difference between God's job and ours. And I believe our first step to make that happen um, is going to be a really scary thing for most of us. So it would be for us to give up our fear of people, and our drive to conform to what other people expect of us or seem to. We all walk in this mindset more than we'd like to believe. God's job is to fix and change. Our job is to depend, to serve, and equip. This is the work of grace. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. To live a graceful life, which is a balance between grace and truth, all this was planned long ago and continues through eternity. God's grace is at work and available in our lives all along. We are hungry and we are thirsty to live in this fullness but we tend to satisfy ourselves in other ways. Grace is so overwhelming, unlike anything we know from humans in this life. It's hard to get it in our heads, down to our heart, and flowing out of our lives. To define grace takes a long list. Grace is the favor of God. Do you like to be somebody's favorite? Where you are. We all are. Grace is loving kindness of a merciful God. Grace is undeserved. Grace is unmerited. You didn't earn it and you can't work for it. Grace is pure goodness. God just wants us. God's grace is a gift that cost everything to the giver and nothing to the recipient. God loved us so much that he sent his only son to come here for us. 
Jesus died so we don't have to worry about where we're going to spend eternity. And nothing can be done for God to love you more, and nothing can be done for God to love you less. And I believe if we could all get quiet and take a little bit of time, we can look back in our lives and see God's grace working all along. Amen. Fear's what drives control. And this fear can be either passive and subtle or aggressive and obvious. Please, let's recognize how to walk in grace rather than control. So in doing, we're not making our families, even our work environment, or others an idol in our lives, which would be the opposite of grace. Someone said to me, knowing who I am in Christ changed everything. I can look back and see God's grace throughout my life. I was raised in a great home with an atmosphere where the stage was set for me to want to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. I was super conscientious. I learned to worry at a young age, mainly about my school performance. After the deaths of my papa and a favorite uncle within six months of each other, I learned to perfect my anxiety skill at age nine. After doctors found nothing wrong with my gastrointestinal system, my wise parents took me to a Christian psychologist. I was 10. Since then, I'm a huge fan of counseling. Counseling is a grace-filled process of talking to someone and processing life events. At 12, I did what they called a communicants class at my church, and I stood before the church and said, I want to join, and I want to be a Christian, and I was sincere. After this, I tried to be good and smart and mostly obedient with some major flub-ups along the way, but grace was there. Remember, part of God's nature is that he is always at work around us. And now I can look back and see that. It makes me laugh because I wasn't trying at that time to live for God, but I was elected chaplain of my service club in high school. I wrote a story, a paper about the Good Samaritan for an essay to get into nursing school. With grace in place, I finally experienced enough pain and frustration to realize I wasn't smart enough and I wasn't good enough and I couldn't work hard enough. At that time, UNC Chapel Hill was known as the beer-drinking capital of the United States. And it was there that I responded to God's grace and took a deeper breath. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is a re- not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I experienced God's grace at salvation, and I was learning to walk with him and live in him. I started studying the Bible and learning to spend time with Jesus. Through the campus ministries of InterVarsity and Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew on campuses, I was discipled through one-on-one and small groups. 
Discipleship is training in the life that springs from grace. What an exciting time. I was learning who I am in Christ, and that changed everything. The truest of all realities is who Jesus says that I am. I finished nursing school. I got a job. I took care of people, and I talked to them about Jesus. But I wanted more. I went to seminary, and I wanted so badly to know more of God's Word and to figure out how things worked. Outlines, formulas, and trying to fit my life into certain doctrines or theological camps. Man, do I ever love a good outline and a new notebook. And then I met Doug, and he loved systems probably more than I did. We grew in love together and were full of expectant joy for our future life and ministry together. A big part of our history is children. The joke was seven kids for seven continents. So exciting. I love Jesus. Doug loves Jesus. We're going to make Jesus love and children, and we're going to disciple them and teach them to walk so that we are always above the circumstances. Our plan was to work in churches and plant churches, and we did. We discipled people to pray and study God's word and go through freedom materials. And when tough time came, we and the children were going to sail through because we were learning to walk with God. Remember the difference between God's job and ours. Being continually empowered by God's grace comes from him, not anything that we can do. Remember how John described how grace looks? Control is trying to drive life, or excuse me, trying to draw life from another, and we were never intended to do that. We're to draw from God. In Genesis 3, beginning with verse 6, we can read how Adam and Eve did this by incorporating, uh, by cooperating with Satan's plan. And disobey God in their attempt to be God's, little g, and meet their own needs. Remember, God told him to enjoy what he had made. The only exception was the tree of knowledge. Then, no, they couldn't do that. They had to disobey. This was not God's plan. His plan was for them to rule together and to us, for us as well, Dependent upon him. We make demands in relationships with others as if they were our source and not our resource. So who's the source? If our sense of well-being and value comes from the behavior of another person instead of... My pages are sticking together... There we go. Instead of God, we'll always be sending off messages that says to another, you better perform right. Healthy responses are based on what's true, what's beneficial, and what's appropriate. Those of us who are not free react in order to control the situation. When our sense of well-being comes from the performance of another, we are giving that person a lot of power over us. I worked really hard to be a good ministry wife. 
I worked hard to manage our home. I would say it was organized chaos mixed with order and some play. I developed charts that would last for a while, and I color-coded our kids and all their stuff. Oh, and we were homeschooling about four of them then. And then our great discipling churches began to experience some disagreements that led to a split, and that was not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. My pile of circumstances was pushing me under, not over, like I had planned. I was a mess. I was not sleeping. I had extreme anxiety, and I pleaded with God for grace and joy, and she was born. Dorman number six. Her name is Karis, and that's the Greek word for grace. Her middle name is Joy, the American word for joy. Pretty cool how often God's answer is a baby. I kept pushing on. I didn't bail. Two years later, Dorman number seven, Lottie was born, and we had our first 14-year-old. My 22 years of developing systems was not working the way of the outlined formula, or was it my responses? I don't know. Didn't much realize it at the time, but legalism had slipped in and offered an easier, false way to please God. Even though I was doing all I knew to seek him with the best of motives, I was being led away from grace and leading others away with me. I know we got off on some tangents and focused on things that were not important and were not the gospel of grace. Through this darker time of my life, I was learning to cling to God and maintain a friendship with him at all costs. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. That's where I was living, and it wasn't overnight, but I got better. Jesus has promised to put a well inside of us, and from that inner well will flow life. Our one thing is to remember to drink from that well instead of from all the wells that promise to fill us but never can. When our children and young adults, um, or with our children and young adults, um, we push them. We push them to be good athletically. Um, My youngest son, my older son, loves sports. He was really good. Um, baseball was his thing, but he kind of did all of it. And so that's fun. I mean, when they excel in it, we get excited, right? We like that. But my youngest son, as much as I push for the first two years, I guess, like t-ball, all those little things like that, he was just, it was not his thing. You know, he just was not going to do it. But he was a musician. He loved music. But I wanted him to be good athletically. So we do that. That's the first way that I see that we do. And number two is we like for them to have lots of friends, but then we don't like their choices. You know? Uh, we love for them to excel in school. Good grades. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> what does that say about us? If they're making good grades, we must be geniuses, right? Because we made these little guys. 
<clears throat> or in a church setting, we love the fact that they're on or leading the worship team or, or the youth worship team. I mean, that just makes our hearts proud. And these things aren't bad. That's not what I'm saying. They're not bad. But they cannot feel our children. <clears throat> Wouldn't you want to help your children learn how to recognize their thirst for Jesus? That's grace. Our job as parents or mentors is simply to draw our kids and others' attention to what is real, what's true, and not to try to control how they feel. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. This is the message we must pass on. Have one God. Don't try to get your inner needs met from a bunch of puny substitutes, false gods. Love and be loved by the one true God with every ounce of strength. That's what it'll take. In my getting better, over and over, I thanked God for saving me. And I thanked God for calling me to serve him. I continued worshiping in church in large group, even on the Sundays. I didn't want to. Doug made me go. And then the best part was being in healthy small groups and meeting one-on-one with Grace Girls. And you know who they are. One of my friends told me, Joan, you will not always feel this way, and two hours down the road will not make any difference. In retrospect, I needed to get worn out so I could learn that there is no other place to rest but in grace. Mm. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Mm. God still has me learning grace for myself, I was and often still am in an unhealthy pattern of going to bed thinking of all I didn't get done instead of all God allowed me to do. I often cycle back into trying to merit God's favor. I continue to learn grace for others and not looking in judgment when people do things different from the way I would. And grace has changed the way we parent. Mm. Romans 2 verse 4, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? Until we had our first 14-year-old, I would summarize our parenting by striving to have properly behaved children. The Christian life is grace and truth. We still need structure and order and discipline in our homes. And when you get a 14-year-old, you know what I mean. There does have to be some changes made. But God offers grace and favor, and it's not based on our performance, but it's based on Christ's performance on the cross. Trusting in Christ's work on the cross makes grace available to me and to you. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I'm going to leave you with this. Always remember... Under the best circumstance, the most healthy, the most sensitive, the most educated person is still not capable of meeting the needs of another. Whose responsibility is that? It's God's. It's his alone. 
And I'd like to give you all an opportunity to just pause a minute and think about if God's put anything in your mind and on your heart. Because I believe that all of us in this room are people that are starved for grace in one way or another. And I think we could divide this room into two different groups of people, and you'd be in one or the other. The first group, there's people in here that have never yielded their life to Jesus Christ. And grace is your invitation to receive him into your life. It's a free gift. It's not something else for you to have to work for. Jesus did all the work for you. And all those doubts you've had, God has given us his word so that we can know for certain that we have eternal life. To change directions and walk through the doorway of grace is the most important decision you will ever make. And the best place you can ever turn is grace. And if there's anybody in here that wants to do that today, or we'd say receive Jesus today, it's not that complicated. Because God, like we said, His grace has been working all along. You're the only one in your chair, and God is speaking to you. You can close your eyes or keep them open or whatever. But you can pray a prayer like this. God, I know I need your gift of grace. I need a friendship with you. And I give all I know about me to all I know about you. The second group, you've already given your life to Jesus Christ and you received God's grace and salvation but you've become less aware of his grace and slipped right back into works. You're tired of striving, tired of grappling, and tired of trying to work your own way. You need to be set free by grace. And the graceful Holy Spirit is living in you and is the only force powerful enough to break the chains that enslave you. And this is true women's and men's liberation. Grace is for your mess-ups and your disappointments. It's for your past and your present. And I hate to tell you this, but I love to tell you this. Grace is for your future sins. And you need to keep turning your face to our graceful God. And remember, God is listening, and you just tell Him. It's simple. God, I want to live in your grace. I want to learn to live a graceful life. And remember I told you I like lists and outlines and take a moment while we're worshiping. If God's put something in your heart and in your head that you know you need God's grace poured out on it, jot it down and work through it some more this week and experience more of God's grace in that area. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.